Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I've worked up the ladder. The next one would have been the manager. So that opportunity didn't come. So I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but if the owner didn't tell you to leave, would you have left on your own accord kind of thing? Would you have said, you know what, this management job is not going to happen there. Let me... I think it's... Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. As always, I'm with my right-hand man, Dej. What are you saying to me, brother? I'm good, bro. Um, you know, it's a bit wintry outside, but a lot warmer in the studio. And obviously the guest that we've got is going to make it a lot more warmer. So happy to be here. Definitely. The minute our guest walked into the studio, the room really got warm. So. <laughs> <laughs> Before we introduce our guest, I just want to plug our socials. Follow our Twitter at podcast underscore TBG, our Instagram at pod underscore TBG, our TikTok TBG pod. Like the video for the algorithm, subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave a comment below, please, because that's what helps the channel grow. We're delighted to announce we are joined in the studio with the main man, the legend, <laughs> Jason Yule. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, welcome. thanks, thank you, thank you. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Like, we really, really appreciate it. Obviously, you're someone that we've watched growing up in the Premier League, Charlton, knocking in them goals. And <laughs> obviously, at the moment, we're having a World Cup break. You're at Bristol City right now. So how are you finding it? Because usually the champs known as this sort of Jekyll and Hyde, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So how are you finding this sort of period? It feels good to have a break after the madness of the schedule that we've had so far. And like you said, is it has been... Uh, full on normally within the football league 
you, you tend to use to get those Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturdays. But just knowing that there's so many games that are getting pushed in before this World Cup break, it, it has just been relentless. So this little time now, I'll say that probably the last first four days I've had, I've just slept on <laughs> those ones. It is yeah. literally like being able to be back home and just rest up. Obviously, the odd school run in the yeah. morning and then I come back and have a sleep. But first couple of days I've had some online stuff with my diploma course, but just good to have that respite because the first few months has been has been proper, proper, just non-stop. You're, you're in a game and you're already thinking about the next. Yeah. And then once you're in that game, you're already thinking about the next. So it's very much that you talk about game by game and just play that 90 minutes and then you worry about the next. But when you're in the game, you're already worried or concerned about what the next one looks like because of the amount of games you're having in a short period of time and what it's doing to the players as well. Because it's asking a lot yeah. of the players as well with the schedules that we've, that we've had. So what would you say has been like the main difference between a normal season and this sort of like special season that we're having this season? I think it's, it's a massive physical, massive physical thing which he's had and mentally as well. Because I think with the players knowing that on one hand that there's going to be 21 league games with a cup run and then you break. And then it's, that's the physical part. Physical part, part two is then we can get a break, which we've never really had. It's always been throughout the season. You just keep going. And on the mental side of it is, it's, like I said, you're going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's, you play that game, regardless of how the result is, you now got to tune in for the next one. You've got to tune into the next one. And now part two mentally is, you've now got that little break to try and refresh, recharge, ready to go again. But it has been a bit of a surreal experience of knowing that we're going to be breaking for a World Cup come mid-November and having those few weeks off you start a mini pre-season and you go again and it's the first time this has happened in the Championship yes the Premier League have had a winter break once before but it's very new for the Championship and below so like in terms from a managerial or managerial and assistant standpoint what is your plan with the players? Is it just switch off completely from football for a week or two? Or are you still back in the office planning sessions and working with the players that haven't been called up for the World Cup? No, we've we've got a, a pretty small squad and I think most teams have, have done similar things. We've we've literally gave the, pl- the players a week off of doing nothing. And then their second week will be a reintroduction into their gym programmes and fitness work. And then we start our third week by going back into training. We've got a friendly at the training ground at the end of that week. And then the start of that fourth week is getting ready for Rotherham. Mm. So that's the sort of gradual build-up, similar to what you would do normally going into pre-season, as the gradual build-up back into it. And that's what we've done with, with, our, with our squad. Jason, I want to quickly go back to the very beginning. What experience would you say like shapes the man that we see today from your from your past if that makes sense so like what's the big thing that sh- makes you Jason you I think it's my the family upbringing that I've had the closeness that I've had with my family and then bringing into into that is my football experience of growing up at Wimbledon and I've always said is that being around that that era and those players who were 
older than me at the time, who are a lot older than me now when I'm <laughs> in the group chats and we're chatting, <laughs> God, they're that old, is, always said is that they, that club made me the player that I was and the person that I am. And that's been mixed with the family as well. And that's where it comes with who I am today. And that's what I've always sort of said is that that was a, a brilliant upbringing. And I always said it's like the school of hard knocks coming through mm. that crazy gang at that time. Yeah. Like seeing it from the age of 12 and being around it to the age of 24. And at that age, was, I was a senior pro. And that's, you don't get that too often nowadays where you're sort of 23, 24 and you're like a senior pro because you've been around it since an 18 year old. So that's, that, that's me. That's me in terms of the football side coming into the family side and, and bringing those two together. Mm, so like talking about the football, it's been a big summer for you. Um, talk to us about that process of leaving Charlton to Bristol City. Cause I read some stuff online. Um, I think Dominic Firefield, who's a big supporter of the podcast and one big up to him. There was a long article and I'm just talking <laughs> about a crazy sort of 24 hours. So like, how was that and what happened? No, because he actually done an interview previously with with Dom and things just changed so quick. So we had to do another one. Wow. And that's what it was. I was, I'd already had a, a holiday booked from sort of 18 months ago with the wife to do Rome. And obviously the season started a little bit earlier and got permission to go away with Rome where it was the sort of first week start back of pre-season and was at the airport and I got a text asking if I could be at the Valley on the Thursday morning to see the owner and I sort of had a inkling into what that was about because a new manager had already just been um, put in post so I sort of knew that that text come in what something was going to be was going to be happening so I went in, saw the saw the owner and sort of said that obviously with a new manager coming in, he's going to bring his own team in and they just want to you know, go in a different direction. And it was like, that's fine. I'm I'm happy with that. It was a sort of bittersweet moment because it's you still wanted an opportunity to, to one, manage the club that you've played for and being a part of the coaching staff and that didn't happen. And then it's been associated with a club for so long and now you're being asked to leave so how and how did that make you feel though like because obviously you're a legend like the club that you love is saying all right jason goodbye like well, we're moving on that, how, but, how does that make you feel but you know what it was said the bittersweet the bittersweet was one knowing that okay it's come to an end and my journey's going to take another course now so that was the sort of sweet part of it knowing this journey's come to an end now. Uh, my journey's going to be going somewhere else and hopefully for the better because that's what you always look for. Some people can go, you've been sacked or let go and it could be all negative. I mean, I saw it as this is an opportunity now for me to sort of cut that, cut the tyres and now go on to something else because I've been there for the last 11 years and 10 of that's coaching and one year playing. So the sweet bit was, okay, that's it. And as you said about legend I don't like using that but <laughs> what is it cringe you can or? use it as much as you like I don't mind it I don't mind hearing it don't mind hearing it no but sometimes it, it that happens and I, I said to the owner as well I said look I'm a South London boy I said I know what the club's about I've done my bit to help get it where it's got to and it's more important about the club because the club's going to be here longer than me and I just want it to be as successful as it can be and that's either with me or without me and as it was it's without me and 
I know that I've I've come away from somewhere going, at least I've done everything that was asked of me in the roles that I've played as an under-16s manager and under-23s manager of trying to get these young players that I've worked with careers in the game, get them into the first team. Can the teams that I manage, stroke coach, become successful, which we did by winning leagues and cups. So I'd felt I fulfilled what I wanted to do at Charlton. Then obviously getting into the first team coaching staff is part of the pathway of getting up the ladder to one day becoming a head coach or a manager, which is what I always said I wanted to be once I got into coaching. So it is one of those, it, you move on. And like I said, is the sweet part was is that it allowed me to, to venture into something new. Yeah, so I know you interviewed for the job when it was vacant and you had a, a meeting with the owner, Thomas. Did you genuinely believe you had a shot at getting the job or did you feel it was almost like a box tick exercise? You've always got to be thinking of, I always said, if I'm going to put my name in the hat for something, it's because I want to do it. It's something that I want. I'm never going to throw my name in a hat just for the sake of it. Now, at the time, I was the only football person left at the club. And would it have been just the process because I was the only coach left at the football club who could have stepped up into the role? Or was it just in a way of they already had in mind who their next potential head coach or manager was and it was go through the process. I can't answer if it was the tick box one or was it a genuine, I, I can't answer that. But what I did was, was I had an opportunity thrown at me in terms of having a conversation with the owner and I had that. Is it looked at as a failure or being unsuccessful for being the manager at Charlton? I don't know. And like I said, is was there already a manager lined up before we had the interview, again, I don't know. But So how, how close was the transition? So you had the interview, then when was the new manager appointed? That was, so I always remember the date. So it was the, f I'd like an initial one speaking with um, Martin Sangard and Steve Gallen, sort of like mid-May-ish. And then I had the one with the owner day before Champions League finals. I think that was the Friday because I was going on holiday on the Sunday and it wasn't until like a week and a half later that's when the news broke that Ben Garner was mm, yeah. um, now the new manager and then like I said is that was end mid-June mid-June that was and then it took about two weeks maybe just under that before I got called in to say that I would be leaving the club so that the timeline doesn't look great on you know, the football club's point of view, but you know, that it is what it is. Like I said, is, is that I'm now in a better place personally and in the professional side of it. And like I said, is a swish in the club all the best for the season and, and beyond. So did you have a conversation with Ben Garner? Because I'm sure he would have had some sort of input into what his backroom sort of staff looked like. So did he sort of say, oh, you know what, Jason, obviously thank you for holding down the club etc this is the direction I want to move in etc I hope you understand my decision or you've never sort of I didn't I didn't have a conversation with with Ben Garner okay do you not feel some type of way but do you think it could have been good etiquette or in football you just accept that listen this is cut a cutthroat business yeah. it is it is a, a cutthroat business but there's also yes there's the reaching out which 
when someone's in in, a build, in the building already and then someone else comes in, there is a reaching out process. But it didn't happen. But the good thing for me was was that I got it from the owner. I got it from someone rather than it's leak somewhere mm, yeah. where you're on the way out without um, even knowing. Yeah. Finding that on WhatsApp, on Sky Sports. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. even when the, when the owner called me in and he told me, I just said, look, thanks for telling me face to face because sometimes, like you said, the cutthroat side of it is it can be an email, it can be from someone who's not at the hierarchy it could be through an assistant or something but it came from the owner so for me it was that that's it is what it is in the farm with that and I said i've moved on to to better things both personally and professionally why do you think clubs are reluctant to like promote from within like we see for example at bournemouth at the moment gary o'neill who's done like a fantastic job but it seems like the job may be going to let's say marcelo bielsa do you think there's like an issue in football with like sort of like promoting with from within? Like, so you've been at the club, you know, the club inside out, he can step into the managerial role. Why is it that they always look to go for that external sort of route? There's one where you can look at the sort of structure of the club on, on what they see and how they do things in a way of always trying to create a pathway. Now in Europe, that happens quite a lot with the pathway of B team managers that are sort of being ready to become sort of next first team manager some clubs do have that over here or they have sometimes connections of ex-players that are doing their coaching at whatever level that may be and that could be as their way as a pathway as a, an ex-player so it depends on one either the structure of the club or it could be in a way of do they have the experience which we always know that comes into account or is it that with there's so much money involved do we just go for someone who's done a job already mm. so it's only those that are at that level can give you those answers out <laughs> you can be an interim for a period of time and you can have fantastic results and we've seen it before sometimes that still isn't enough mm. <laughs> to get you the, to get you the role so when you're given that opportunity the best thing you can do is is give yourself the best account of yourselves and if it doesn't work out at that club because you've done well there that can probably open the door for somewhere else so in terms of your coaching career have you sort of interviewed for another managerial role apart from Charlton yeah I had done in the past I, I interviewed previously for two other roles like I said is that's, was that what, what level was that at? that was they were league one at the time both teams are league one at the time and said is those were Colchester no okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no like I said is is that when when you're at not saying when you're at for me it was like I said is earlier it's when you feel you want to put your name in the hat you do that and when I did on those two occasions I felt it was a time for changes now I'm ready to make that step make that jump and that's why I put my name in a hat for it it wouldn't have been in a way of I'm I'm in a position where I'm not ready but I want that job because then that's not quite right yeah because I'm just putting my name in a hat where I feel yeah I want that job because it fits but I might not be ready so the times when I have is when I felt right I'm, I'm in a place now where I've done what I've done and now I'm ready to make that step up and 
by me going up into the first team coaching at Charlton and now where I'm at at Bristol City you know, that's getting me closer to, to the, the goal where I want to get to and it does it take time yes it has you know for the age that I'm at now at 45 I've been doing it for 11 years now now I'm my 12th now, there are other managers who are younger than me who've already had two or three jobs and maybe I'm probably behind that now because it's that well they've had the experience they've had the experience but it's probably now for me in terms of looking at okay what I've done and now what I'm doing when I'm ready again for that put the name in the hat time of it I'll still be ready yeah but I could still be looked at as well he's done this at that level and that at that level even as a number two if you call it as that but he's had the experience and that experience works in some people's eyes but not in everybody's eyes of either being a number one or do they know what it'll be like and with me who's managed because that's what it is from 16s 23s for over 12 years whatever it is you are still a manager you're still a coach so sometimes with the labeling yeah of a head coach or manager I've, I've done both yeah so you've gone in for two jobs what's the reasoning for you not getting those jobs because as you mentioned you've got a resume of developing young players you know you've had a hand in the likes of Joe Rebo, Adam Ola Lookman Joe Gomez so many players so where's where's the discrepancy what what did they say that one was um one was didn't have the experience and then I looked back at that after and thought well you know I didn't have the experience anyway but you've obviously what you want to have the conversation with me this wasn't uh a way of me putting my name in the hat and then looking at it and then dismissing it. They wanted to have a conversation from what they've seen on the paper of the CV and having a conversation and it was not enough experience. And then another another role, club went in a totally different direction to, you know, one, what the advert was out and two, in terms of the conversations that, that I had with them and that club went in a totally different direction. So it was not so much feedback on one of the clubs but but on the other was the lack of experience and we know that's the chicken and we know that's the chicken and egg one the only way to get experience is to get the job in the first place so (laughs) another thing I wanted to ask is like as you mentioned you've been coaching um, for a long long time are you sort of not worried but are you aware that maybe clubs can feel oh you know what Jason Yule he's a number two he's not a manager the more you stay in assistant manager role no, not really, because I think it's, you know, football is a small world and it all goes down to you know, what I keep continue to do on the grass every day and what my impact can be on a match day because, you know, the match days are just as important as what you do on a day-to-day. And experience, the longer I be, I be a number two is the more experiences that I'm going to have because of what the week's like, what the games are like, what the players are going to be like, the different types of players you're going to work with over a period of time. And people get wind of that. And like I said earlier, with, with clubs of you know, what they're looking for, is it a head coach or is it a manager? Is it mm. someone who's had a certain experience at a certain level or with certain players? That can, of not that, who I am could fit that. And that depends on what club... Mm is looking for a me for example yeah so 
sometimes is you can get headhunted, same as like any other role, any other job, of this is what he's been doing. It might not have been as a number one, but over the years of what he's been doing as a number two yeah, a could still be enough yeah. for us to take him as a number one. How do you view the game of football? What's your like philosophy, your methodologies? Is it about pressing the ball? <laughs> Is it <laughs> playing know, out I've, from the back? <laughs> no, I view it as, who said it? Oh, I don't know who said it years ago, but I mean, Brian Coverson. It's a simple game made difficult or made hard, something like that. Mm. And it is. And What do you mean by that? Well, it's simple, isn't it? It's, you put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. But it's made hard because one is the opposition you're playing against and then all of the insights of the tactical side of it, the analysts, the analytic side of it, the data side of things. So there's so much more now coming into football, which on one hand does make it difficult mm. to make it simple. Because everyone thinks, oh, we can put the ball in the back of the net, it's easy. Well, it sounds it, doesn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. but how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Yeah. And, that is, and it's, you know, it's, you've got to find those ways. And that can be from a high press. That can be from a mid block or a low block and get teams on the counter attack. Mm. It can be we want to build from the thirds or we just want to smash it from front to back as quick as we can and play in it. So mm. there's different ways that you've got to solve these problems. And what I've been doing over the years of being able to to have a team myself is find those ways because every game's going to be different and as much as it's this is what we're going to keep doing no matter what this is my beliefs it's how we got sometimes you may have to tweak that so mm. yes I want to play out from the back yes I want to make sure we play through the thirds and get into the final third and be nice sharp bright quick playing it but there's times that might not happen yeah. so how, how am I going to counteract that so I always say you've got to have a solution for the problem and if you've got a team that want to high press you and you want to keep playing out from the back, sometimes you've got to go over it. Sometimes you're going to have to go, yeah. to have to go over press, it to then yeah. play. So I w there is no right way and there's no wrong way of playing. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their way. My way is I want it to be quick. I want it to be entertaining. And I want my players to, one, enjoy what they're doing and get better from that. Yeah. And if they're not great thinkers of football, is trying to help them become thinkers of football because we can all play the game but not everyone can think and understand it yeah. and I think is as much as I can get that into them as well of yes play it but think and understand it it just helps them a little bit more as well because mm. you've gone no just no no go on because yeah, I was going to say that you've coached at Charlton and England under 20s and obviously the general perception is at League One the quality is not as good as sort of Premier League sort of talent. So how do you sort of manage going from a League One environment to an elite England squad environment? Can you see the difference in sort of quality? I think with the ages that I worked with at England from 18s to 20s is those were young players that had been in the system for a long time. And they've had a ball at their feet all the time, which came from the EPPP just over 10 years ago about 10,000 hours ball contact things like mm. that when you then come into League One not everyone's had that same opportunity of mm. getting their 10,000 hours in everyone's coming in at different stages of the game some are coming from non-league that's less yeah. hours of the game you know, some have been at the higher level probably not have probably didn't get as many hours but they've had that experience but it's more in a way of with what you've got, you've got to try and find what's best for the players that you've got 
in your League One squad? What benefits them the most? What formation is going to get the best out of these players? And I always look and go, put round pegs in round holes if you can. Mm. Don't do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, so square pegs and round holes. That way is, yes, there's times you have to challenge players, but if you want to get the best out of them, getting the best out of them is not trying to put them in a, in a square peg mm. every game if you know it's not going to benefit them and benefit the team. So it's just finding that balance of what have we got at our disposal and how can we best use them and make them best effective to make the simple game of putting the ball in the back of the net more than the opposite team. So obviously you've worked with like a lot of youngsters and I think Dej mentioned the England under 20. I think that's like a perfect sort of segue to my next question. What's your take on today's youngsters? Because we saw Cristiano Ronaldo in a recent interview say, a lot of these youngsters, there's not going to be longevity because they don't have the mentality. It's different now. So what's your take on the current like crop of sort of young players' mentality and mindset to be the best they can? We're in a changing, changing world. The world's always evolving. And my era is different to the era five years after that. And then the 10 years after that, the 15 years after that. It's more about how you move with that and move with them. So one of the things that Nigel Pearson said a few weeks ago at Fans Forum is that I'm relatable to the players that we've got at our football club, not just because of the colour of my skin, but because one, I've coached around younger players. I've played at the highest level and I've been doing it in the game for over 20 years. So I'm moving with all of those eras and working with the younger ones and seeing what they're going through, not just in their football life, but in their personal life. And I'm able to relate on both sides of it. And it's just more the understanding so, because... No, I was going to say, so would you say before it was more like, we don't care about that personal, like it's just football, whatever happens on the football pitch, that's all we care about. Whereas now there needs to be that sort of personable sort of relationship yeah. kind of thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because what I had mm. back then is not, or wasn't available <laughs> what is now. So there's so much distraction out there now for these young players. And, and part of that, what Ronaldo has said, is probably true because of the distractions. There's so much out there now where it's you can be swayed. There are a lot of players that like football, don't love it. Mm. We were growing up, we loved mm. football because that's all we had. We yeah. didn't have yeah. that opportunity to be on our phones every day and become like social media mm. icons and doing TikTok. We didn't have that. <laughs> so there's another, there's another life for these players now where we just had football. And then it's, well, when we finish football, what are we gonna do? <laughs> now, we wasn't really thinking of clothing brands and things like that. Yes, very few, probably went down that avenue mm. but there's so much now at players disposals outside of football and where it is getting to understand where these young players are is how you manage it because you want them to still be, perform every day on the grass and when it comes to a match down on a Saturday and it is having to enjoy that moment while it lasts because like I said the longevity isn't there as much as it want as as it used to. So it's how do you get into that that mind? How long do you want to do it for? 
because we all want to play until we're 35 and retire but that's not that's not the the real world anymore for a very few that would be mm. so it's getting to understand with these players is when you're in it you've got to grab it because mm. it can go just as quick I remember making my debut in 95 wow. all them years ago we were babies but, then yeah but <laughs> you look and go didn't seem mm. that long ago wow. but it was and it mm. goes quick and that's the thing now where it's you sign a four year deal now it doesn't mean you're going to be at that same club for four years yeah. only you can make yourself stay there for that four years so I've got that contract doesn't mean I'm going to be here for the next four years that's just you've got a contract on a piece of paper for four years but it's what you're going to do to make that be a fifth year or a sixth year mm. at that same club yeah so you mentioned Nigel Pearson was talking um, about you at a fans forum how have you found that relationship because coming from Charlton to Bristol City I know you played under Nigel but how have you sort of gelled so far not really well because I'm um, I know what his character's like. I know. <laughs> yeah, we've seen his press conferences. <laughs> you know, what did <laughs> he say? Some, uh, he, uh, I forgot. He said the ostrich one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's 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 come a long way from from that, and that's okay. that's credit that's credit to him. When no matter what age you are, where you're at, about learning about yourself, and he's done that massively. And even like now, when he does press conferences he's always looked at as like what you just said about the past or interviews since then and people do have a perception of him and I had a perception of him when he came to Southampton 2008 of just someone with the haircut that he has just very authoritative <laughs> sergeant major type yeah but underneath the exterior is someone who's funny someone that will love a laugh and joke who's good at what he does and he's a people's person and he knows how to tap into everyone and that's from player to tea lady to hierarchy and that's because he's a personable person so when I had the chat with him he actually said on a sort of selfish part was me coming into being a different character hit to him mm -hmm. and a different character to Curtis Fleming who's already there yeah. is I'm there to help and manage him because he knows how he is. And I just thought, yeah, I get that. And I mean, we've had many a conversations of the way that we're sort of alike, but very different. Mm. And where I'm at now of being with another sort of senior manager who's been around, that's only going to help me more to get to where I want to get to working with a him and a Curtis Fleming who have been around it for a period of time and at different levels and different countries. So we're all still learning. Yeah. And I'm learning differently from him <laughs> on a good and a bad. But okay. that's that's what he is. And he's he said it's he's someone who from the outside people look and go, hmm. But he's 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 a good, good guy. So in terms of the season yeah. so far, <laughs> you beat me to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you analyze so far? Like yeah, how, that how was it's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> season so far, um, I would say one we've probably punched above our weight, but also I feel with the group that we have, we've definitely underachieved. I know it sounds a bit contradicting, but we've got a small squad, but a good enough squad to be higher than where we are. And 
when we mentioned earlier about how relentless this league is, is you've got to enjoy the wins when you get them. But you can't dwell on them because the next one's coming so soon. And then if you lose, you can't be too down about it because you're into the next one straight away. The main thing with us this year is we have, we've been very good in a lot of games. We just haven't finished those off. And that's sometimes harder to take when you deserve more from the game. Now, we could say that Birmingham away, um, probably Burnley away, Norwich away. No, sorry. Birmingham away, definitely, when we lost 3-0. And Reading away a few weeks ago where we look and go, those are two games that we definitely deserve to lose because yeah. <laughs> we didn't perform and we didn't play well enough. All the other games that we've played in, we have been in those games and we should have got more out of the draws and the defeats that we've had. And when we went to Norwich on a Wednesday night, we're 2-0 down, go 2-1, we go 3-1 down and then for the next half an hour their backs to the wall mm. like they all the technical area all up on the site because they knew it was coming they <laughs> saw the next goal coming and probably us winning we didn't get it yeah. we go from that Wednesday to Saturday to Burnley away and I didn't go in the manager's office after the game because I had to shoot back to London but Vincent Company said even though that they're a very possession based team as you know Burnley are at the yeah, moment yeah they done work on us on the Monday. They played Preston on the Tuesday. Then they played us on the Saturday. Wow. So they were that worried about the next game wow. of what we would bring. And that was because of how hard we press, how quick we break on and how well we can keep the ball. But mm. he said he was at his most nervous when they had the ball. Yeah. Because if they turn it over, we can pounce on it. And we defend hard. So we had that week where we've played two teams that had been relegated from the Premier League and we've had two very good performances and we come away with nothing. And that's more or less been the highlight, or not the highlight, that's been Summed our season. Up Summed up the season. So like I said, is now it's the recoup, refresh, and now start putting those disappointments after playing well and now turning them into to three points. Because that's the thing about the championship. If you win three games in a row, you're, you're knocking on the door of the playoffs. Yeah. Like it's, it's, like funny it's, it's, it's so unpredictable. Like we all know everybody can beat everybody. It doesn't help when you gift teams goals and you've you got to play catch-up, which we've done in periods of games during the season. But you just know that we, we're sitting in 18th now. And I think it's seven points to top six. Yeah. So Mad. you look at the table and it's, oh, we should be higher than what we should be, but it is what it is. But you know what a back-to-back -back can do. You know what three on the bounce can do. But you also know what a back-to-back -back defeat can do and what yeah, three defeats can do. Yeah. You into so some trouble, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you can win two, two games on the bounce, you go up there. Mm. And then you can lose those same two games. And then you're probably even lower than where you were at the start. Mm. And it's how do you get that consistency? And it is just about how many points can you just keep picking up? Because that tally will prove pivotal come the end of the season.
I wanted to talk to you about two players, um, Antoine Semenyo and uh, Alex Scott. These are like two youngsters, and obviously we know you're very, very good with youngsters. Antoine's at the World Cup at the moment with Ghana. How good can both of them be? Because in recent months, they've been like linked with Premier League moves. I know Antoine's been linked with like Crystal Palace, Bournemouth. Alex has been linked with like Tottenham, Everton, teams like that. So how good can they be? It sounds mad, but they can be better, even at a young age. And part of that is, is because they're still learning. And with the amount of games we're having, they're having to learn on the job as well. They're having to learn on match days because <laughs> the amount of games that you're having, yeah. you're not getting loads of training time. And when you do have that training time, it's how do you find that balance of the team and the player? And that's sometimes the hardest part of how do you get those extra little margins that you need from those two and everybody else? Is it, can I keep them out for an extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes? because we want to do a little bit extra sometimes that can take margins out of their game mm. the next day or the day after can we do analysis stuff so for them two is they're in a good environment they've got good people around them and they've got good players around them as in young and senior that are helping them and the senior boys have been massive to to our group we've got sort of like a five to seven sort of seniorish players and the rest are sort of mid and young. Mm. So there's some mid-age players, but they haven't got loads of games under them. So they're still quite inexperienced. Yeah. And the younger ones look up to them. There isn't that or any type of ego stuff or anything like that. The senior ones are passing down everything that they can to these young ones because it's now them giving back. Yes, mm. we're a team, but they're giving back to these young ones of... Mm. If you do A, B, and C, you can get to A, B, and C. Mm. And uh, we've got you know, Andy King and Matty James, who are Premier League winners. Yeah, like, Leicester. Yeah. Who else yeah. can you know, <laughs> yeah. give that experience to to the younger players? And especially like a team like us, where no one feels that we can go anywhere. No one thought Leicester could go anywhere. Mm. So having players like that is vital. And that's for those two, is the experiences that they're getting by having to learn on the job and being able to go away with their international teams is only going to put them and put their stock even higher and they will become very very good players Jason you mentioned training time why is that so important like you, you always hear it like in terms of like top level managers oh every time it's recovery <laughs> recovery you don't get training time on the it's pitch what does, yeah what does that mean it's, it's, it's the schedule it's the schedule, the games, like I said about the involvement, the evolving of the game now with the sports science involvement, the data, data analytics involvement, the analysing of games. And me now going into Bristol and we've got a um, head of performance called Dave Rennie who was at Leicester yeah. during their um, Premier League years. Really good at what he does in breaking down when you hear a lot about red zones and red yeah, levels. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of how you can maximise players to peak performance and he manages that during the week and he does it really well. So he doesn't take away grass time from us. It's whatever time that we can get, it's can you do A, B and C within that? So you're still getting 
the maximum levels of what they need physically, but also what they need tactically and technically. So it's just sometimes how you get that balance within the time you have. Mm. But because you do get your Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, the recovery is important. So it's finding a way of how do we do that recovery? Mm. So we tend to, after most, depending on where we're at, most games, what the week's like, we've got a cryo chamber at the training ground. The boys are back there, aids the recovery. Getting back from Norwich at four o'clock in the morning, boys are straight into the cryo chamber. Crazy. And it's, Mm. trying to get that recovery to at least get grass time mm. on a day where you know it's better to keep them off the grass but if we can get cryo they can get what they need to get on the next day which may be a day off it can sometimes allow us that little bit more time on the grass and that's and it's it's a balance because I, I used to say it all the time I used to call the sports science lot FPOs. What does that stand for? Football prevention officers. <laughs> so sometimes when the sports scientists used to walk in a room, like the sirens would go off. It's like, no, they can't go out today. But as you go on, you you understand more. You get you get to realise, okay, these are the reasons why. And ultimately is, can we get them at peak performance when it comes to match days? Mm, so how have you sort of found that transition from Charlton to Bristol City in terms of family life have you moved the family up to Bristol are you still based down south no I'm, I'm, I'm based in Bristol I've got an apartment there because children are in year 10 and 11 at school so oh, yeah, they're big. there's no yeah, point yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. don't listen to you anymore don't listen to you anymore I think they are anyway but yeah so to, to keep them in their schools is the important thing yeah. and it's only for myself it's only two hour drive sometimes okay. get the train back so it's not too bad and if we do have a, a Saturday to Saturday week, which we haven't had loads of, like I said earlier, then the manager will go Sunday, Monday off, and then we'll have like a four day lead into a game. But they've come up quite a lot. The good thing was when I moved down, it was summer holidays. Oh. So they were able to come down for 10 days, get used to it, yeah. see what it's about. It came down in the last uh, half term holidays and I, I get back as much as I can. So. It was. It's strange because this is the first time I've actually been away mm. as a as a coach, because all my coaching has been at Charlton. Yeah. So I've always come home every day. Yes, I've done the overnighters when it comes to club football, and then I've done like the England camps if it's a ten day away from home. But this is the first time Permanent. as a family and the football mm. side of it where I'm now a coach and and living from home. So how are you finding it though in terms of that change of routine? Because I know you're at Charlton for so long, everything's set, you know, the roles, the the routine and stuff. So changing that, how did you sort of cope? It's It's been weird and difficult. I'll say weird because like I said, is the routine that I've had for so long. Mm. It was, like my car was more or less autopilot <laughs> yeah. from my house to Charlton's training ground back and forth. But now it's waking up and I'm in a, different environment, different setting, and I'm 10 minutes from training, and you're not waking up with a family around, or you're not going to bed with a family around. So that's weird in itself of not having that family life around, but it was always something that we had planned for. Yeah. In a way of, this is where I wanna go to, and it might take living away from home, but after sort of 10 years, it just seems weird where it's now all of a sudden it's it's happened yeah, yeah. and especially at key ages as well for the kids year 10 and year 11 so 
like I said about Nigel being a personable person that he gets and understands family have an extra day off if you need to because we've got enough staff here we can manage it and that's what he's like okay. with a lot of people around the building because there are some that live in Cardiff which doesn't seem too far from Bristol but everyone has different circumstances and scenarios of, or family life so it is in we've got enough staff that could cover that have the extra day so how's it been from like a mental standpoint because I listen to like a lot of podcasts and you hear like high profile players saying that like once they left their family they had a lot of thinking time to reflect on life like how's it been from like a mental standpoint do you know what mentally it's actually been okay I know um, you can speak on the phone you can <laughs> FaceTime <laughs> but I'm not a million miles away I yeah. think that's yeah. that helps. I know that I could be home door to door in two hours and a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, being away from it is a little bit quieter. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes can be good, sometimes can be bad. Yeah, yeah. But what it's allowing me to do is, like I said, I'm doing my LMA diploma course, so it's I'm thinking in another way as well now. So yes, there's the relentlessness of football, but I can also come away from that because of studying that I'm doing I can come away from football by having the FaceTime I can come away from football by having those phone calls so being away from home is the routine has stopped of being in your own bed every night yeah to being in an apartment bed which is now my bed (laughs) (laughs) but it's not it's not your home bed yeah Mm. but now being home for this first coming up a week it feels good it feels good to be back home in your own bed for a, a longer period of time it yeah. feels good but knowing is that it is a refresh it is a recharge yeah. we go back it's Christmas they're going to be down mm-hmm. to Bristol so it, it's, it's been going well what are your strengths and weaknesses I had to think about this the other day weaknesses <laughs> no, I'm not saying I haven't got any um but to be honest, it's context. Yeah. It's context because a weakness can, yeah. can work out to it be can a work out. <laughs> always, For me, sometimes, is a, always sort of as a weakness is... I'm not saying I, I choose my battles. Yeah, I would say sometimes in choosing your battles can be a weakness. In So two, two aspects. There's if things that are happening within your life is sometimes it's I won't say let's keep it to myself and you try and deal with it yourself mm. something that can be happening in your life and it's you can mention something but you might not mention all of it okay you you might do that yeah or it's you got to come out and say it because it has to be said on a football side of it is sometimes where something needs to be said I'll say it Mm. because it's why because it's is that like your upbringing that made you be like like what, what yeah, is it I think it's if something needs to be said I'll mm. say it because mm. it's football it's work but I need to bring that into life as well but then sometimes on the football side of it is not saying it it can sometimes make it worse mm. or it can continue so if I might not say it there and then it's let me just see if there's a change first or if there's an improvement or something different before mm. I say mm. it. 
because I like I'm a, I'm a thinker <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm I don't always say the first thing that comes out of my mouth okay. because I see where that can get people mm-hmm. and sometimes that's a good trait and sometimes that can be a yeah, real bad trait yeah, yeah. but I think about things football side of things personal side of things mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense yeah it like, does but so would you say you're wearing two different hats Jason you're the, the yeah. man then Jason you're the, the football man mm. I think it's do I like conflicts yeah I like conflict it depends on how that is mm. depends on how it is because I don't think all conflict has to be a negative argument. I think sometimes conflict gets pushed down that way sometimes too much. I think sometimes conflict can also be a positive because you can both be saying different things but for the same goal. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. We could be arguing for a good, but it's not an argument where it's we're ready to snap at each other. We can both be having that, but ultimately it's we're both sort of going the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Where people sometimes think conflict is always oh, negative. Yeah. negative. Yeah. Sometimes the conflict is we both see what we're trying to do, but, just but we have say you say yeah. it and get there in different ways. Yeah. So you can be going there, but ultimately it's we're still trying to get there. And as a strength people's person I'd say yeah. I, I like to get like I said I think I like to get around and get to know pick brains find out about them how can I help them and just be approachable because I always say is that we always want to have respect but oh, it works both ways if you if you get it you, you give it and if you give it you'll like it back and I always see that as something massive because again that's coming from the Wimbledon side of things is that we walked down a corridor and you didn't look someone in the eye you're getting one of them in the back of your head <laughs> because ultimately it's respecting your elders for one but mm-hmm. acknowledging someone who's walking past you in a corridor you might not know them but even if it's a little head nod or little, just just a little something so I think it's just important that that I keep saying that all the time to people like just acknowledge there's no harm you ain't got to like someone just but acknowledge but say yeah people's person just to get around and find out how they are who they are and what they're about yeah so you've managed a lot of top youngsters from South East London that's where we're from um, y- yep <laughs> yeah, yeah big up South London <laughs> so like obviously you've dealt with Adamola Lookman Joe Aribo Ezri Konza Joe Gomez which one of those for you is like the biggest success story? They all are. <laughs> no, for me, they all are. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, is for me, going into coaching was wanting the opportunity to try and give these boys a career in the game. And with that, a lot of the boys that I've coached, I've coached have managed to get to the highest level and others are on the brinks below. But, I've, I would hope I've given them the opportunity in the game by giving them my experiences and my knowledge of, of the game and, and, and the coaching that I've given and I look out for all of them yeah. up, up at that level and up at that level mm. down at that level sorry and I'm always keeping an eye on the boys that I've, I've coached boys that I've, I've crossed paths with who've been on trial with us who are playing elsewhere whatever level because there's always names that, that stay with you yeah. and 
you, that that's the thing you just want them to to try and be as, as successful as you can and little story was two weeks ago he we played Middlesbrough and Isaiah Jones oh fullback from Brixton isn't he yeah, yeah, yeah so he was at Tootin Mitcham and he came in to us a few years ago and he came in initially with a, with a sore knee so he said okay we'll, we'll help you manage it try and get you right don't worry about it because I always say is that normally on the first day I always say to players when they come in on trial just be you you're here because you're a good player don't try and be someone that you're not but also on the flip knowing how hard it is because you're like a new boy at school yeah you just walked into this whole environment like a school playground and you're the new boy and you want to impress like, don't worry just just be you and when it's I'm oh, going to bring me for a week's trial what are they going to do in a week I'm not going to see who they are, what they are in a week. Give me two, for example. So he came in with a, a bad knee. We helped him with that. And then a few occasions, he had to sometimes leave early because he had to go and pick up his sibling. Mm. And then one time, two times he came in late for training. And I was like, look, Isaac, you can't, you can't do this. I, <laughs> I get you've got siblings and mm. home life that you've got to do with not a problem. Just always let me know in advance. If you're running late, let me know. And it was actually one time too many of him coming in late. So we had to sit him down and just sort of say, look, we can't prolong this. This is a professional environment. We're trying to give you the opportunity and we can't keep stretching that. So we're going to have to release you, but we'll still keep an eye on you. But it's now something for you now in a way of dealing with your responsibilities yeah. and being responsible for you in terms of where you want to go. And I knew when he went into Middlesbrough on trial, because I got people up there. And when I went and played against him the other week, went up to him, said, I gave him a hug, and I said, well done. I said, I'm proud of you. Top I said, player. Well, yeah, I said, well yeah, done. Yeah. Top player. Because there's a lot of players that could have taken that being released on trial and possibly gone the other way and thought like, that's it. I don't know how many other clubs he may have been to before that. But he had to take it on himself in, if I do get another opportunity, I've got to make sure that I do it right and I just said to him like well done like you've done well just keep doing it and Anthony Dishdill was there with him oh, who yeah, I brought in to Charlton yeah, yeah yeah I just sort of said to Anthony you're looking after Isaac and Isaac was like no I'm looking after him <laughs> but he's the main man there now isn't he <laughs> yeah but it's like one of those where it's seeing all these players that you've come across and so you just want to give them an opportunity now maybe what I said to him he probably didn't batter an eyelid too but I've said it yeah, and if he took it on, brilliant. It might mm. not. It's not saying it's all me, but if he's taking it on, brilliant. Because like I said, is it's letting them know what it's like in the real world. If this doesn't work, and you do get another opportunity, you got to make sure you don't do what you did at this yeah. one. So we're gonna move on to life outside of football. What do you like getting up to, Jason? Spare time. I know you're a family man, but <laughs> I know that there must be other things. Do you know what? It, um, TV series is. Oh, I say no. series is because it's just series. <laughs> yeah. Nah, um, yeah it's, Especially just, now that you've got the apartment to yourself and stuff, <laughs> isn't it? So you must be, yeah, it's just yeah. TV series. I like, I listen to my music, I like to chill. Mm. Like I said, I'm doing my diploma course. Um, but yeah, now outside of it is like my music, my diploma course, and, and TV series. And like being in, in Bristol now, I go for little wonders. I've not okay. done like the, few, the full the full tour of Bristol yet but 
because I'm there now, I know it's something I can do. I, mm. I'm, I'm in the town centre, but I know I can just just go for walks and find out about it. I know there's a lot of history behind it, which looking to do over Christmas with a family, just to Sick. find out you know, the full history of of what Black, of Bristol, what it's about. But yeah, me, chill time is, I like having my own space, even I'm at home, I, I can just chill. Like, like the missus might be next to me or the dog, but I can just chill, it's what I do in um in Bristol because it's it's important that you you do switch off like I said it's yeah. it's relentless it is full on I know there are people that can keep working that way but at times where it's I'm going to switch off for two hours then I'll start work then I'll do that but I'm, I like just to chill that's that's me so in terms of obviously outside of football you've told us what you like to get up to like when I listen to your story You've got a very good resume in terms of bringing young players through. You're well educated. You've got experience on the grass. So why don't you think you've been given a managerial job? Because the more I listen to it, it kind of doesn't really make sense. Like I said, is it's all on one, me putting my name in a hat to a job, which I feel is where I want to go and what I want to do. And like I said, is what are football clubs looking for? Now, what's the structure there? What are they looking for? And the more I keep doing what I do, like I said, is it's a small world. People will talk. Will my name be in conversations? I hope so. Am I being put down on people's um, to get lists or next up lists? Hopefully. What order that is, I don't know. But the important thing for me is, is that I keep doing the players and that's doing me at the same time. So if I keep doing the players and it's going to keep doing me, that will hopefully start making people be aware of, yes, I'm out there. I'm sure people, I'm not saying I'm sure, yes, people know I'm out there. Yes, I've got the qualifications. I've worked within the England setup for four years. People know I'm out there. And it's always, as I say, it's always timing, not necessarily always my timing, but that football club. And how it was for me now being at Bristol City, that timing was their timing they were looking for yeah, a new first yeah, team coach yeah. I just left Charlton and it happened that way so it was a little bit of my timing as well being out of a job and then so was there put, any other sort of offers at the time as well or no because it was only 24 hours yeah. <laughs> so, so at that moment when Charlton said listen Jason obviously the new manager wants to bring his own team in were you thinking alright I'm going to take a bit of a break or what was the thinking at that exact moment? Do you know, I didn't even have time to think. Okay. It, it was literally, it was, okay, right, I'm out of a job, everyone's going back to pre-season, I've started already. And then Friday morning, went to the gym, sitting down about 12, one o'clock, I'm thinking again, oh, everyone's at work now, I'm not at work. Yeah. This is mad, it's pre-season. And then like within an hour, it was... Nigel's seen your CV can you go meet him tomorrow okay alright so I start thinking as I do uh, if I am to get the job does it feel right and I'm like of course it does because I know Bristol City because I've played against them many a times over the years I know the pathway of the players that have come through their system and I know where they're looking to go as a football club I knew they've not long just done a new training ground yeah. and the stadium's 
two years complete fully now. Know the manager, I know the assistant manager, it feels right. But on the other hand, I'm going, does it feel right because I just want to get back into football straight away? Mm. And I quickly dismissed that straight away. I just went, no, because it feels right. And like I said is earlier, it's mm. if I'm going to put my name in a hat for a job, it's because feel right. it feels yeah. right and it's something I want to do. And that's how that came about. And that's why I went, yeah, okay. And then the Saturday down in Bristol, stayed overnight on the Friday, down in Bristol on the Saturday and then within an hour, hour and a half, Nigel's like, yep, that's why you're joining us. <laughs> what, straight cool. after the interview? Yeah. Wow. It, it, was, it was an interview stroke informal interview. <laughs> that's yeah. how Nigel is. And even when I spoke to the CEO, it was very informal because I knew obviously after the event that they'd both done their due diligence anyway. Mm. So it was more really now having a chat with me. So that's how it came around and that was that quick. And I was on the plane to Austria on a Monday for pre-season. So Jason, last one from me. Um, so obviously you got told that you'll be leaving Charlton on a Thursday, right? Because you were like on Friday, you were in the gym. And obviously you don't need to answer this question if you don't want to, but so Thursday you go home, right? You go back to your house in London, correct? Yeah. How's the mood? What happens? What do you say to your family? Like, but when I, when I said earlier about the timeline of, of mm. events, so if we go, like, like Johnny Jackson got sacked, I have a conversation. Three weeks later, I have sort of the first part of the interview. New manager comes in. Then I get a text. At some point in there, you're looking, going, mm. <laughs> <Lumbers>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you, you are, yeah. So, like I said earlier, it was sort of bittersweet. Mm -hmm. So when I came out of there, 15 minutes later, I rang the wife. She's like, okay, yeah, cool. It's it is what it is. Yeah, it's because if that was me, I'll go. I'll be crying. I'll be real to you. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but I, it's if I was there for. Mm two years mm. and I thought my time isn't done. Like, I can't believe I'm getting sacked or, or getting kicked or left, whatever it is. It probably wouldn't have been a different feeling. Okay. But it's 10 years been there. And the only thing I didn't do there was manage the football club in the journey. I've worked up the ladder. The next one would have been the manager. Mm. So that opportunity didn't come. So I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but if the owner didn't tell you to leave, would you have left on your own accord kind of thing? Would you have said, you know what, this management job is not going to happen there, let me... I think it's, one, obviously where your owner sees you, even though if a new manager's coming in, it's where's you, where does your owner see you? Because you can still be a part of the new team. Where does the current manager see you? Does he see you as part of his team as a if he's a head, two assistants or first, or a, are you two assistants if he's bringing A another in, or is it an assistant and a first team coach? Like you said, it's the hindsight bit, but it's all what the clubs see. So would I have walked away if Ben has gone and said to me, well, I want you to be that? I don't know, mm -hmm. because 
you look at your journey and it's right I've been doing this for a period of time is you this the, the next yeah is this the next chapter for me and you don't know it unless you have a conversation yeah yeah it's hindsight yeah it? it's hindsight if it's from the owner this is where I see you or if it's from the manager this is where I see you you can have you be able to balance it off of right this works for me it doesn't work for me but I didn't have the opportunity yeah which is for me even better now from where I'm at and what I'm doing and what I'm doing now loving it enjoying it even yeah. more so because it's another challenge another test for me doing it in the championship it's playing in that league 2009-10 yes it's evolved yes it's changed the the staffing from Bristol City to Charlton totally different the amount of staff the training facilities is totally different mm -hmm. so I look like I've gained I've gained yeah. more out of it than probably if I had stayed but time will tell in terms of how well we do this season mm -hmm. and that's my thing is I want us to try and do as well as we can to make it not just oh, I've gone to a new club and they're in a championship and we've say, <laughs> stayed up in the last day of the season but yeah. I want it to be right I've come I've helped made a difference and I want us to do as well as we can so in, op in terms of opposition that you've played this season, what team in the championship would you say has been the best? Uh, Burnley by oh, far. Yeah. A lot of people have... Mm. Yeah. Burnley by far. Vinny's doing a yeah. mad And I think a lot job. of people are getting it twisted a little bit because they say, oh, they got relegated. They're a Premier League team. They got relegated. It's not the same team. New team. The club's yeah. been relegated from the Premier League, but the team is totally different. There's only um, Ashley Jack Barnes, Cork, Jack Cork, Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, so you've got Rodriguez, Barnes, Jack Cork, Connor Roberts. But they're the only players that were in that Premier League team last year. They were a whole new team. And what company and Craig Bellamy and Jackson, the team are doing, everyone can see it. it's, it's paying off. It's can they sustain it? Because that's mm. the thing with this league. It's you see people do that and they can fall away. You see people do that and they do that yeah. and there's always the middlers that can bounce <laughs> either way. Yeah. But yeah, no watching the games going into the Burnley game, you look and go, Okay, right, yeah, this is good, this is gonna be a good test for us, good battle, but one that we, we enjoyed. Like I said, at the end of it we've lost, but we were disappointed because we performed well and didn't get nothing. But they they have been the best team that we've played this year. Jason, we have a closing tradition on this podcast where we ask the current guest to recommend a potential guest in football for us to get onto the platform. So to pick your brains, and I've given you like 10 seconds to think. So I'm trying to elongate the question so you can think a bit football more. Related. Football related. Who would you recommend in terms of in football to come onto this podcast like that you know, you know personally yeah. that you could say you know what jump on the team what would, is from what perspective would you like football's a big play areas coaches yeah. managers like where open shops yeah. owners who you think is a good fit off of my head wow um, can I message you after yeah <laughs> <laughs> just elongate even more <laughs> no, if no you I don't, don't want to recommend someone they'd be like nah it's not for me because not everyone's 
into podcasts and things like that. Yeah. That's the thing is, I don't want to recommend yeah. someone and they go like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. It's not for me. But I can, I can work my brain. Okay. Like I said, it's, it's what, what aspects of the game you want it from. Like this mm. is a, a coach, ex-player type. This is someone different for people to hear, different area of the game. Mm. Then, yeah, because that's what you do. We've had like Brendan on, we've had Mick McCarthy on, we've had so many different managers on, players, mm. sporting directors, Stuart Weber at Norwich. So yeah, we're open shop, yeah. we're open. No, I have a little thing. Cool. Jason, yeah. thank you. You're levelling up and we know eventually you're going to get that managerial gig. Thank you. We're going to leave it there. Did there any closing remarks? No, I just thank you for your time and obviously fulfilling us with your insight. We've learned a lot and hopefully you get to the top of the table as we as we hope. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks Pleasure. Well. So we're going to leave it there. That's another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. Over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.